sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Hi, and welcome back to the Savvy Psychologist podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. This week, we'll start a three-part series on surprisingly toxic traits that at first glance can seem harmless or even productive. So first up, the finish line that can never be crossed, perfectionism. We'll cover the three types of perfectionism and the eight problems that flourish wherever perfectionism takes root. So perfectionism is tricky. A tiny sprinkling can be good, but a generous helping is paralyzing and self-defeating. So a concept we talk about often on the podcast is that many things exist on a spectrum. And perfectionism is one of these things. So indeed, a touch of perfectionism includes something called positive striving. Positive striving includes high but not unattainable standards, and the striver feels satisfied and happy when the standards are reached. But as we move up the spectrum of perfectionism, we cross a line into unrealistically high standards, a rigid and unforgiving devotion to those standards, and a belief that one's self-worth is contingent upon the results. So, let's get into the three types of perfectionism. The first two are damaging, but only the last is truly toxic. So, let's take a look at all three. Perfectionist profile number one, self-oriented perfectionism. So here, you are your own harshest taskmaster. As the name implies, the perfectionism is focused on you and your own performance. Self-oriented perfectionists set their bar too high, and when they inevitably fail to clear it, punish themselves with self-criticism and guilt. Perfectionist profile number two, other-oriented perfectionism. So these souls control the actions of everyone in their life, particularly their partners and children, and expect only the best at all times. If others' work isn't perfect, which it never can be, arguments, blame, and distrust result. Perfectionist profile number three, socially prescribed perfectionism. So this is the most toxic kind. With this kind of perfectionism, we perceive our actions as being critiqued by an imagined, all-seeing audience that expects nothing but a flawless performance. So this type of perfectionism is the most likely to result in depression, anxiety, and anger problems. Why? Well, when we perceive that others are always moving the goalposts, still expect us to score, and will chew us out if we miss, we come to believe that our efforts are futile and that we can't do anything about it. In other words, we become hopeless and helpless, the two pillars of depression. So, how can you tell if you or someone you love are struggling with one of these three types of perfectionism? Look for these eight signs. Sign number one, dichotomous thinking. So, dichotomous thinking is the technical term, but it also means all-or-nothing thinking or black-and-white thinking. No matter how you label it, It means believing that something is either perfect or a complete failure. There is little room for error in dichotomous thinking. If you don't set a personal record, you may as well be crawling across the finish line in last place. 
Sign number two, doubts. Folks with perfectionism often doubt their own performance. Even if the audience gives them a standing ovation, they worry they've tanked. And doubts aren't limited to big arenas. Perfectionists worry about whether they phrased that email the exact right way, whether everyone really had a fabulous time at the dinner party, or whether that was the exact right birthday present. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Sign number three, equating worth and achievement. So this is self-explanatory. When a perfectionist fails to live up to his or her own unattainable standards, they think it makes them a bad person. I suck at this, therefore I suck, is a common refrain. Sign number four, procrastination. Perfectionists rightfully worry they can never meet their own standards, and without any wiggle room, any task becomes difficult and unpleasant, which means it gets put off and put off and put off. Sign number five, abandoning projects. So this goes hand in hand with procrastination. Sometimes perfectionists would rather abandon ship than face the possibility of falling short. Sign number six, feeling overwhelmed. Perfectionists often feel like a deer in the headlights. Particularly for socially prescribed perfectionists, the prospect of having to perform up to imagined standards, plus the prediction that others will only shake their heads and yawn, makes tasks totally overwhelming. Sign number seven, correcting others. So other-oriented perfectionists in particular often try to revise or improve others. Whether it's their grammar, their clothing choices, or their driving route, perfectionists always have a better way. And finally, sign number eight is workaholism. So workaholism can be boiled down to a math problem. Here it is. High involvement and investment in work plus low enjoyment equals high stress. This is very different than those who work hard but love what they do, a group called work enthusiasts. The equation here is high involvement and investment plus high enjoyment equals low stress. And an old 1992 study, unsurprisingly, found that workaholics are much more likely to be perfectionists than work enthusiasts. And finally, many mental health challenges have been linked to perfectionism. One is social anxiety, where people believe others will judge them for less than perfect social performance. Another is OCD, where folks need things to be exactly right or 100% certain. OCPD, a personality disorder we covered in episode 61, has perfectionism at its heart. But the disorder with the strongest link to perfectionism is anorexia. To illustrate, a 2014 study asked two groups of women, some with anorexia, some without, to do two tasks. In the first task, they were asked to copy a passage of text and a complex geometric figure. They were given paper, pencils, an eraser, a ruler, a protractor, and a compass, and asked to work as neatly and accurately as possible. So what happened? As a whole, the anorexics' work was judged to be significantly better than the control group, but they also took much longer to complete the task. In addition, within the anorexic group, the longer each person took, the better their copy, a phenomenon not seen in the control group. In the second task, the same two groups were given one minute to sort 40 beads of eight different colors into bottles. After the minute was up, 
participants were given the option, but were not required, to double-check their work. And overall, more anorexics chose to check their work and spent much longer doing so. So what does all this tell us? So as a group, anorexics showed greater attention to detail, were more thorough, checked their work, and yielded more impressive results, all of which tap into an underlying drive for unattainable perfection. In sum, while it's always good to have high standards and work hard, you don't have to be perfect. Even better, as former First Lady Rosalind Carter, a powerful mental health advocate for decades, has said, once you accept the fact that you're not perfect, then you develop some confidence. If you've learned something from a Savvy Psychologist episode, let me know by liking on Facebook, adding me to your Google Plus circles, or best of all, subscribing to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Great news, the Savvy Psychologist email newsletter has launched. So thank you so much to the thousands of you who have already signed up. You'll get exclusive content like what vitamin deficiency has been linked to Alzheimer's and why it's so hard to get happier, delivered right to your inbox. Sign up for this and other newsletters from your favorite Quick and Dirty Tips hosts by heading over to quickanddirtytips.com newsletters to learn more. That's quickanddirtytips.com newsletters. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and next week we'll have part two of our Toxic Traits series. Listen in next Friday to find out what it is. In the meantime, a transcript of the episode, references for the studies I mentioned, and every Savvy Psychologist episode ever are always available on quickanddirtytips.com savvy hyphen psychologist. And of course, the Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thank you again. I'll see you next week for a happier, healthier mind. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.